Good morning to all of you. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Turn to someone on the right and left and say, I'm glad that you're here this morning. Well, before we start off with the Word of God, shall we commit this time to the Lord? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you, O God, that even as we are seated in your presence, Lord, we'd like to surrender our lives to you, and that God, we ask that we will stay focused, and that Lord, may the Holy Spirit teach us through your word this morning, and help us, O God, by giving us the wisdom to apply what we are going to hear from you this morning into our own personal lives. Help us, O God, to be not only hearers of your word, but to be the doer of your word as well. Father, we pray that God, you will glorify yourself in this morning's worship celebration. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. As I look at all of us here this morning, I'd like to ask all of us one question. And the question that I'd like to ask all of us here this morning is, why are you here this morning in this worship celebration? Why are you here today in Penang Christian Centre? You could have stayed at home. You could have gone and do something else this morning. But why did you come here today? Some of you might be churning the question behind you and throwing silent questions back to me. Pastor Thomas, why are you asking us this ridiculous and a stupid question why we are here this morning? On the contrary, actually, I'd like to uh, share with all of us that it is not a ridiculous, neither is it a stupid question, but I like to say that it is a soul-searching question as to why you are here this morning. Could it be that you are here this morning because you have always been enjoying PCC's praise and worship, that's why you are here this morning? Could it be that you are here this morning because you enjoyed the preaching from the pulpit for the many years that you have been in PCC. That's why you are here every Sunday morning. Or could it be that you are here because your spouse dragged you here this morning, week in, week out, your, your spouse keeps on reminding you it's time for to go to church, it's time for you to go to church. Or could it be that because you are here, because you, you send your children to the children's church that is downstairs, which is at level one, and you are saying that I might as well come up for the worship celebration instead of going out anyway. Today is Chengbing. Many people are going out and it's, uh, certain roads are jammed, so I might as well stay here and enjoy the aircon. And then I'll pick up my children after the children's church is over and we can go for lunch. So the question is, why are you here today? You see, all of us may have other reasons which I didn't uh, mention over here. But can we work on a common premise here today? Let us assume hypothetically that all of us are here today, this morning, because you want to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we work on this premise first? Hypothetically. You see, many of us here, like I said, have one, have our own personal reason. But let's focus and say that I'm here because I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let us read from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to verse 33, and let us let this word of God from, from the Bible challenge our lives this morning. And at the end of the day, all of us will have to make a decision. And as I read this, I myself was personally challenged by this this passage, the more I read about it, the more I also ask my, myself, where am I as a disciple of Jesus? Shall we stand together as we read the Word of God? Let's read it loud. Let us read it clearly. Let's go. A large crowd following Jesus, he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else your father and mother, wife and children. 
Brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Kindly be seated. The message for this morning is entitled, Are You Ready to Be Jesus' Disciple? Are you ready to be Jesus' Disciple? You see, to truly follow Christ and to be His disciples, you and I must consider the cost. And you and I are not to follow Him half-heartedly, only to drop out or to drop off along the journey with Him. Because the journey with Christ can get tough. It can get challenging. And it can, at times, be discouraging for us when we face opposition because we choose to make a stand for Christ. And here we want to learn together as a church in how we, you and I, we can and will have to make that decision personally this morning. The first point is it is possible to follow Jesus superficially. Just now we read in verse 25, it says that a large crowd was following Jesus. Dr. Luke did not tell us how big the crowd was. How many people were in that crowd. But can I take this auditorium, all of us here, as a gauge. That this is the crowd that was following Jesus. And where was Jesus going? He was heading towards Jerusalem. He was heading there and Jesus was anticipating that he will face opposition when he arrives in Jerusalem. And so, Jesus realized that this big crowd in their midst, they might not be genuine disciples. They might not be genuine followers. They would have their own personal agenda. Jesus would have believed and seen through them that many of them have selfish agendas as well as they were superficial in wanting to follow Him. So, in other words, big crowds don't impress Jesus. He didn't flatter them. In fact, the next verse, we will see that He challenged them as He is going to challenge us this morning. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 27, and this is what Jesus said, If you want to be my disciple, and this is the word for all of us here this morning, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. This is a very tall order from Jesus. Jesus doesn't mince his words. Jesus said, you want to follow me? This is what is expected of you and I this morning. So we must consider the cost of following Christ. Imagine, imagine this. Just now what the pastor Isaac tell all of us, that we are going to have a water baptism and membership class. That's coming up. And can you remember the dates? What's the date? April? Sorry? Can't hear you lah. A bit louder. April 5th. Correct. It's starting on April 5th. And in the water baptism and membership class, towards the end, 
we will list down the criteria of how you can become a member of Penang Christian Centre and how you can be baptised. Let me share with all of us here that at the end of the water baptism class, we will always, and membership class, we will always tell the potential members who wants to go for water baptism or even to take up membership in PCC, and that is, you must belong to a care cell. Some of you might be asking, why do we have to be in a care cell? Because first of all, the care cell is biblical. Jesus is a cell leader to 12 disciples. And the reason why you and the reason why we want you to be in a care cell is because you can grow spiritually in a care cell. You can be cared for, you can be encouraged. People will pray for you. You can pray for other people. You can encourage other people because what Christianity is not a lone ranger faith. It is a community whereby we build each other up. That is why we want you to be in a casa so that you can be accountable to one another. So that you can, you know, people can take notice of you and love you and care for you. That's the reason why we want you to be in a casa because, like I say, it is biblical. Now, assuming that for this coming for this coming water baptism and uh, membership class, we choose to raise the bar higher. And at the end of the water baptism class and membership class, the pastors who are facilitating this class will tell the potential candidate, listen, this is the new criteria. And the new criteria is you must hate your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, Yes, even your very own life. Then you must be prepared to die for the cause. As Jesus has said, anyone who is not prepared to give up everything cannot be my disciple. In other words, if you are not willing to do that, you cannot be a member of PCC. And by the way, this is not something that the pastors are going to tell. This is what Jesus is telling us. Now imagine if we were to say this, at the back of your mind, I'd like to ask all of us, is this the kind of church that would appeal to you? You give up everything to be a member of PCC and to go for water baptism. A few of you might like this new criteria. Yes, pastor, go for it. We are going to, to do that. For the rest, you might be saying, uh, pastor, I think it's too high for us. It's okay. We will still continue to worship here. We, would, we don't have to be a member of PCC. We don't ha even have to be water baptized. And probably we may also go to another church ah, if you continue to go in this direction. You know what appeals to the bigger majority even today? The, what appeals to the bigger majority is a gentle pastor who is a friend to everyone and would rather die than ever hurt or offend them. That is what appeals to most. But that's very different from Jesus. What did Jesus tell us? That unless we hate our families, carry our crosses, we cannot be His disciples. It's so different from Jesus' style, Jesus' leadership. As one commentator says, if Jesus were in charge of an average congregation, I believe there will be about four people left for the weekend service and chances are those four would be fooling themselves. Let me submit to you that after Jesus said this, probably the large crowd would have been halved. Many would have stopped following Him and go home. Because they said, Jesus, I cannot follow you because of your demands. But the demands of Jesus for the large crowd is still the same for us today here this morning. You hear or not? It's the same for all of us. I so suddenly, so silent, so quiet suddenly. So the question is, what are we dealing here today? How are we to understand when Jesus talked about hating our parents, our children, even our very lives. Didn't the Bible say that we are to love our families? 
We are to love our enemies as well. Is Jesus contradicting himself? Is Jesus contradicting the Bible? The answer is definitely not. Because Jesus doesn't contradict himself. You see, the first thing you and I, we need to look is to look at the context. Jesus was using a figure of speech we do not usually use anymore. In Aramaic, the word we translate hate has nothing to do with an emotion. It was a way of expressing priorities. Turn to someone on the right and left and say, priorities. Priorities. Jesus is talking about priorities. So if I were to say, I love St. Xavier's institution and I hate Methodist boys' school, or I hate Penang Free School. Does it mean that I'm hostile towards these two schools that I just mentioned that I hate? No. It simply means that St. Xavier's institution is my choice. It's my priority. I love St. Xavier's institution because I am an old boy from there. That is my alma mater. And that is the reason why I said it. And Jesus also did tell us, that you cannot serve God and mammon. Our priority is to serve God. But Jesus is not saying that you forget about the money because if, if that is the case, I will, I'm wondering just now when the offering bag was passed down your row, what did you put inside? You put inside money, right? So money actually can be used to expand the kingdom of God. It is only when we run and chase after money, money became, becomes our God. And that is bad for us. So priority is God wants to be our Lord this morning. Then Jesus went on and He introduces to us the cross. We are to carry our own cross and follow Him. If not, we cannot be His disciples. Take a moment to consider the thoughts that was flooding the minds of the crowd that was following Him. And Jesus had to take up the cross. You see, the cross is a very common thing during their times. There were no strangers to the Roman crosses and the awful crucifixions that they witnessed with their own eyes every day. People get crucified. In that day, the roads would be filled with crosses as men hung there dying. The cross was a cruel instrument of death. Let me repeat, the cross is an instrument of death. However, today, the cross has become a piece of harmless jewelry. In Jesus' time, it was a horrible and painful execution. Today, if you were to see anyone Wearing a cross, you'll find that it is nicely crafted. Some, you have, a, you have a diamond right in the center of that cross and it sparkles when the light shines on it. But during those days, it was an instrument of execution. So taking up our cross doesn't involve only bearing burdens. It involves dying to ourselves. In other words, Every morning when you wake up, are you willing to die to yourself every day so that Jesus will always be prioritized in everything that you do for the whole day? Because if you and I don't put ourselves, don't crucify ourselves on the cross every morning, there'll be other things that'll be screaming for our attention. And guess what gets booted out? Jesus gets booted out. Other things of temporal value will creep, in, creep into our life. What is eternal will be put on the shelf. Why? Because we did not put it to death. You see, in other words, Jesus is telling us that you and I, we are dead people. So we should just start acting like dead People. Have you ever been to a funeral? You look, as you walk past the casket, and 
the person who was lying there, he said, hey, from inside the casket, say, hello, thank you for visiting me. No, the person is dead. Nothing touches the person anymore. And it's also a good reminder to all of us that, you know, we bring nothing into this world and we take nothing out. The only thing that we have while we are here is our relationship with God. You know, just now we, we, Pastor Isaac took us through the first day of our prayer and fasting on the mercy of God. We, he read to us a scripture. Isn't it the reason why we are here, we are called so-called Christians is because of the mercy of God, of His grace that has poured, been poured upon our lives. It is not because of our goodness. It is not because of something that you and I did. The Bible says that we were sinners. We were enemies of God. By nature, we don't want to have anything to do with God at all. But it was the mercy and the grace of God that convict our hearts that we surrender our lives to Him. You see, the Apostle Paul understood what it meant to carry a cross. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So you can substitute your name there. You can substitute your name there. You can put your name. Elfie Sebastian have been crucified with Christ. You can put the name there, Anusha, have been crucified with Christ. I can put my name there, Thomas, have been crucified and I no longer live. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, As for me, May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because of that cross. My interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the second, in, during the Second World War, he was a German theologian as well as a pastor. And he said this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. In fact, he lost his life. He was executed because of his stand for Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and pastor. When I was growing up, <clears throat> there was a brother who discipled me. There's a brother who discipled me. And then he spent a lot of hours with me. In fact, he took an interest in my life as a teenager. How he ended up discipling me was because he came up to me and said, Thomas, do you want me to disciple you? And I said, yes, please do. There are many things that he, he shared with me. One of the things is he always reminded me. He, he always reminded me, and that is, you must learn to die to yourself. Of course, he didn't use the image of the cross at that time. I remember until today he told me that. He used a, the story of Abraham. That when Isaac was offered up and he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac, but of course God intervened and he didn't, he didn't, inter, he, he didn't sacrifice his son, but God provided a ram and and the ram was sacrificed by Abraham. And he told me this, he said, you know, we will never escape, neither will we ever be free from temptations or distractions that has got no value compared to the eternal value that you and I have. And he said, every time you see that and you find that you are struggling with it, he said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you have a dagger in your, in your hand or a knife in your hand, and whatever that issue is, you put that on the altar and you plunge it, you've got to be very vicious, plunge it and kill it. And then you open your eyes and say, that you have sacrificed that on the altar so that you can continue to walk in victory. 
so that you can continue to walk victoriously. That's what he told me. And I remember that. And the cross that Jesus is talking about is reminding all of us that you and I, we are supposed to die to ourselves every day. The question is, what are you struggling with in your life today? Are you still flirting with that temptation? Are you still flirting with that attractive thing that's calling you out and that you are heading in that direction rather than to make a U-turn? If there is anything, then today is a day that you say, I will crucify that on the cross. And by the way, the, the person who discipled me, Yvonne is other than your brother. Your brother was the one who discipled me. You see, you and I, we are supposed to carry the cross every day. And do you realize that the cross that a teenager carries and a cross that an adult, when this teenager grows into an adulthood, carries, is not the same? As you grow, your cross will have to grow older with you. It has to grow with you. Why do I say that? Because as a teenager... I don't even know what it means to be a father. I don't even know what it means to be a husband. All I know that as a teenager, my focus is to obey my parents. As a teenager, I am supposed to study. As a teenager, I, as a Christian child, I need to learn how to pray, how to read the Bible, and learn to say no to a, a lot of other things. But when I become an adult. I still practice this. I, I must obey my parents. I must obey God. I must love. But the thing is, is that I learn how to be a godly husband to my wife. I learn how to be a godly father to my children. How to be a friend to, be, to both my wife and my, and, and my two children. I learn, because I'm now serving in the ministry, how can I be a better pastor as well? The thing is, is that you may be out in the marketplace. How can you be a better uh, worker in the corporate sector? And therefore, there are many things that wants to gain your attention. But the question is, who is gaining your attention? What is your priority? What are you going to do with it? This is what Jesus is telling us, reminding all of us here this morning, that you and I, we need to die to ourselves every day and to carry that cross. And so later, God willing, when my children grow up, they, they get married, they become children, like uh, they, 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 they have their own children, I become grandfather, like Pastor Lydia is a grandmother now. It's a different cross. The cross has to grow. The cross does not remain stagnant. It grows together with us. Luke chapter 14, verse 27 says, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying that you have to carry your cross, not your husband who is going to carry the cross for you, not your mother who is going to carry the cross. You have to carry your cross every day and die to yourself. In other words, Jesus is telling the crowd, the line is now drawn. Either you are in with me or you are out. You cannot say that I sit on the fence. Here Jesus is very clear. Either you are in or you are out. So the question to all of us here is, if you today, all of us who are here this morning, if we do not carry our own cross and follow after Jesus, we cannot be His disciples. That means the things of the world has no grip on you and you have no interest in it. The things of the world is dead to you and you are dead to the world. Friends, you and I, we won't be truly set free until we understand what it is to be crucified with Christ. Next, Jesus used the image of a man who, who plans on building a project. Luke 14, 28 to 30 says, But you don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see 
if there is enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone will laugh at you. They will say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. PCC went through that. We look at our resources before we decided to purchase the PCC building in Batu Kawan. And now the building is complete. It's under renovation. Now assuming, God forbid, that we don't have the resources and we went ahead to buy, then we will not be able to pay for the building. As you drive along the roads of Penang, I'm sure you have seen many abandoned buildings. Buildings that was built, but halfway, they couldn't complete it for reasons that is known to the developer. So here Jesus is telling us that before the man begins the construction, he must count the cost to see if he has enough resources to finish the job. This is the cost of discipleship. It will cost us something. Jesus is talking about the cost of total commitment. He's looking to people who are faithful, people who are committed, people that he can count upon to be his disciples. You see, a good finish as a disciple is the key. We must start well and we must end well in this race. Verse 29 says that otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. Jesus says that everyone will look at the uncompleted project and ridicule the one who didn't finish it. The Bible are filled with great men and great women who did not finish well. Noah, for example, and his family were saved from the flood. But Noah didn't end well. He ended as a drunken man he was naked and he cursed his son. Solomon was the wisest man in all of history. When God asked him, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom. And he received wisdom. We would have thought that with so much wisdom, he would have ended well. But no, he didn't end well. He did not finish the race, the, the, the race well. He had many wives, many concubines, many porcupines. And it turned, all these ladies turned his heart away from God to worshipping idols. Do you want to finish well or not? I don't think so. Do you want to finish well or not? Yeah. Still not good enough. Do you want to finish well or not? Yeah. Yes. All of us want to finish well. The good news is that it will cost us if you and I want to finish well. The other good news is it does not matter what happened in the past in your life. You can still finish well. See, friends, the finishing line is still ahead of us. Are you on track? Are you running towards the finishing line? Or have you made a detour and you're running on a different route? Or have you start to find yourself seated on a sidewalk and walking and looking at the rest of your brothers and sisters running and you say, I give up. I give up. Friends, you don't have to give up. If you think that you're giving up, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Continue to run. Don't depend on, upon your own human strength. Depend on God's strength so you can cross the finish line together. After that, Jesus used a military context to the crowds. Luke 31 to 32 says, verse 31 32 says, Or what king would go to war against another king? without first sitting down with his counsellors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if, and if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. You see, Israel has always been sandwiched between major superpowers. Egypt is to the south. To the north, Assyria, Assyria, Babylon, Greece. 
and Rome. Palestine has, been the, has seen the marching of armies and has its own fair share of wars. Many of it are very bloody wars. Many times Israel's kings were required to decide if they could win a battle. And if they determined that they were outnumbered, outmaneuvered, they would surrender to the stronger commander rather than face slaughter in war. Now Jesus is not talking about the times that God helped his people face great challenges and win the battle, as in the case of Gideon and his band of 300 men. He is talking about the normal situations that face kings and nations, businesses and families. In other words, it simply means, can you afford this? Can you afford this? And that is to give up everything to follow Him. He's asking all of us here today whether or not are we willing to become His follower. It will take everything that you and I have. The will of God will be our first priority. If you are not ready, Jesus simply tells us this morning and also to the crowd, if you are not ready, don't begin. Don't follow me. So the question to all of us here this morning is, how many of us want to put God as our first priority? Your husband cannot answer this question for you. Your wife cannot answer this question for you. You have to decide. Will you put God first as a priority in your life? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. If you and I, including myself, want to follow after Christ, we will have to die to certain things that may be distracting us. And finally, verse 33 it says, if you cannot become my disciple, so you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. Jesus didn't say something you own. He says everything. Semua. Jesus is setting a demand that I want your time. I want your energy. I want your finances. I want your everything, 100% of you. That is the commitment level that Jesus is looking for. Martin Luther says, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. So let's unpack who is a disciple. A disciple is a learner. To learn from God, to learn from those who are discipling us how to live godly lives and to be a follower. To know Christ and to grow in Christ. It is not to know about Christ. There's a difference between to know Christ and to know about Christ. To know Christ means you know the person personally. To know about Christ is... You learn it through someone else. I heard that Jesus is such and such a person. You have no personal experience. And as a Christian, you and I, we can come to the stage in which I know about Christ. Why? Because you and I, we have stopped spending our time with Jesus. That is why we no longer know Him, but we know about Him. And we know about Him through the preaching of of, from, from other speakers and all that. But you and I, we need to devote ourselves to the reading of the Word of God so that we can hear what the Holy Spirit has got to tell us, what the Holy Spirit has got to teach us. And we can do that if we are able to answer this question, are you willing to carry your cross and willing to learn and to follow Jesus? Jesus is looking for committed and faithful followers. I'm coming to a tail end of this message. I'm going to pose a question to all of us, and that includes me. What is your commitment gauge to Jesus 
today. On a scale of 0 to 10, 0 means no commitment. He is just my saviour. He is not my Lord. Jesus is my saviour means that he is, he saves me, but he is not my Lord. Zero. On a scale of ten, ten means he is my saviour and my Lord, and I'm ready to do what he wants me to do. That is 100% or so-called 100% commitment. But I know that all of us do not have that capacity. I'm not saying that I have. I'm all, it's a learning process for me as well. But the, the thing is, is that where is your commitment gauge? Is it a five? Is it a six? Is it a seven? Or is it a two? If it is a two, or a five, or a six, or a seven, what will it take you today? What kind of life adjustment will you do today to move it one notch up from a two to a three, to a five to six? What will it take you? And I want to tell you that it's not going to be easy because why you've got to relook at your whole priority and you will have to stick to it so that you can continue to move from five to six, six to seven so that you can Grow in your commitment to Christ. Last year, I went to Nepal. We were up in the mountains and we were there to teach the adults as well as the children. Now, the adults, we were teaching on two Bible characters at the request of the pastor there. And so we did the character of Jonah, as well as the character, Bible character of Ruth. In this picture, you see that there are four ladies. The one on the right, all white, is our own PCC member. The one, the young man, we are wearing checkered t-shirt, a checkered shirt is our young adults from PCC. The young lady in a warm clothing, blue warm clothing, is also a young adult from PCC. And the gentleman standing next to her in a striped long sleeve shirt is also a member of PCC. So the rest of the ladies who are carrying umbrellas are Nepalis. This picture was taken before they start their journey back. You know, we had our... We had our class on a, on a Wednesday. Yeah, it was, uh, no, we had, it on a, we had it on a Friday, sorry. We were on a Friday. They came into the village on Thursday. And they stayed the night. You must be wondering why Pastor they come why one day earlier. I will tell you. Why they come one day early? Because they did not bust in, they did not grab in, they did not fly in. They had to come in one day early because they had to walk seven hours to reach that mount to reach that place. Seven hours walking, not on asphalt road, not on tar road, but on mountainous tracks. Seven hours. And the, the time this photo was taken was about three hours immediately after we finished the class. And it was about to start raining. In fact, drops of rain has already started to come. These ladies are starting their journey back, walking back seven hours. The lady on the far right, wearing blue, is a pastor. The next day, it's a Saturday, we had children that came in. Now, this group of children that came in, they came in all drenched, all wet. They were in by 
8.30 in the morning. It was raining heavily. They came. They were all drenched from the head to the feet. This picture, actually the clothes that they wear is all drenched. We had to take off some of their socks and it was really, really wet. And here they sat down quietly. They were not complaining that they were cold. They never even asked for any hot or warm water to keep themselves warm. They just sat there patiently waiting for the class to start. I'm going to tell you that the parents were not with them. They came on their own. And some of them are non-Christians. They came and they walked two hours under heavy rain without an umbrella. They came. Then after the class ends at 3 o'clock, they walk back for another two more hours. That evening, we decided to go to the village. and We told Pastor, Pastor Ramesh, take us to the village. Pastor Ramesh said, they took two hours to walk. You, you guys really serious? Yeah, I want to go and see them. So he took us. It took us three hours plus to reach there. Malaysian time. We cannot even beat the children. The children took two hours. We took about three, and three hours plus. We had great fellowship with them. They saw us. They ran and came all over and, and, and so on. That's the commitment level that they had. My question to all of us is, what if the public transport, what if your car were to break down? Are you willing to walk for seven hours to PCC for service? Or you say, never mind, Pastor, next week. Here, but got podcast, got podcast, and listen podcast. Or maybe for some of us here, I don't know who you are, but can I say that probably some of us here may come into the PCC compound, round two rounds, no parking lot, Ah, see you, PCC, next week. Next week I come, I can tune into podcast after all, it will be uploaded by Coxing. So it's okay, no need. Commitment level of these young children from Nepal and the elderly lady who are willing to walk for seven hours challenges my faith. Every time I go up, I've been blessed. Instead of blessing them, I've been blessed by their lifestyle. They're always ready to serve. They're always ready to go the extra mile. You know, when we were up there, they would come as a community to cook lunch for us and for for the congregation members who come. You know, at the end, they came and they dies, they cook and all that. You know, at the end, what what do they do? All the ladies and the men, they'll sit down in the compound, they'll each take a rack and they will wash, after washing all the utensils and so on, the fork and spoons and all that, and the, and, and, and the stainless steel cup and all that, they will all sit down together, they were happily chit-chatting with one another and they were wiping the, the plates dry and putting it there. So, wow. Wow, see. Such commitment from them. They were there, willing to walk for seven hours for the adults and two hours for the children. Is because they have made a commitment. They have made a decision that I want to go. They don't know us. We don't know them. We are not Billy Graham's. We are not well-known figures. They don't even know us. But they say we are going to walk for seven hours just to hear what these Penangites have to share with us. It will require effort and work on our part. You see, the flesh has no desire to follow Jesus and it certainly doesn't want to become like Him. There will be many obstacles that we shall face, but we must be determined to overcome. And that is to crucify yourself on the cross every day. Are you and I willing to pay the price? to follow Jesus, to follow Christ. This morning, before I start off my message, I ask all of us here this question, why are you here today? Why are you here today? Have you decided this morning that I would like to align my life 
and follow after the demands from Jesus, even though, even though I know that the bar is very high and that it will require me to relook at how I spend my time, where I invest my energy in, and where and how I spend my finances because Jesus said that unless you give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. And he's asking us this morning, are we willing or not? Shall we stand together as I bring it to a close? As we stand in the presence of God this morning, remember that you and I, we are here because of the mercy of God. Maybe for some of us, you and I have been reminded again this morning that could it be that God is telling you that because many of us say that we want to do the will of God and put God as a priority in our life, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where the rubber hits the road. People say this is where you put your money in that if you are willing to follow Christ and there are some of the things that you may have to do adjustments maybe for some of us you, you have never been willing to join a carousel and you have been receiving phone calls and text messages from your carousel leader from your associate leader you have received calls from your cell members and say hey please come for a cell group but you have never prioritized it the only time you turn up is when you look at your calendar on a Friday or a Tuesday and say, oh, it's blank, i got nothing, so I'll go to cell group. But I want to share that living a Christian life is a community that if you want to put God first, then what you can do is to block off every Friday and say that this is non-negotiable in my life today. That moving forward, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Because if not, every time we sing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then we went to the part, no turning back, no turning back. Maybe for some of us, we've already turned back. But today, God allows us to make U-turns. God allows us to make a fresh commitment to Him and say that, God, I'm going to move from five, number five to number six. If I'm at number two, I'm going willing to learn. I'm going to go to number three. I'll take baby steps. But nevertheless, I'm willing to take that baby step for change. Maybe for some of us, God is prompting you. You have been worshipping together with us for many years, but you have never decided that I want to place my roots down and make Penang Christian Centre as my home church. And I'm ready to put my roots down this morning. And I will attend the water baptism and membership class you know for this coming round I'm ready to make that commitment maybe for some of us we used to attend the Wednesday corporate prayer meetings but now we have dropped off reasons that only you know yourself but today maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you and said son daughter I'd like you to come and join the rest who comes on a Wednesday for corporate prayer meeting and I want you to relook at your priorities because it's going to cost you like I said like Jesus said it's going to cost us and so again will you put it on a Wednesday and say this is not negotiable because to come for prayer meetings means that it's a time for me to commune and to connect with the rest of my brothers and sisters and we want to pray corporately. It is alright for you to pray on your own, but there's also a time for us to come and pray corporately. Maybe for some of us, the Holy Spirit is reminding us to be a follower of, of Christ. You need to share the good news that you have received to your 
colleague that has been sitting in front. Maybe you know the need of this person, but you have never met that need and you choose not to meet that need. Maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you that it's time for you to do something and add value into the life of this person. Maybe for some of us here, you might be involved in a wrong relationship that the Holy Spirit has reminded you time and time again. But you're you're not willing to give up this relationship. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is saying, you want to be a follower of Christ. It's time for you to kill, sever this relationship so that you can totally follow me wholeheartedly. Maybe for some of us here, you might be giving up on, on your walk with God and say, God, I don't want to join any of this because I've been hurt by somebody in my cell group, somebody in this church or in my previous church. And right now, I don't want to have anything to do. I just want to come to church and I just want to leave after the worship is over. Maybe the Holy Spirit is reminding us again and said, come, my daughters and my sons, I want to touch you where you are. I want to heal you of your hurts. I want you to release the hurts into my hands and I want to work in your life. You just come and you just come and follow me wholeheartedly once again. It's all about the mercy and the grace of God upon our life. And you know, you and I, we cannot walk out of this auditorium without making that decision. I've mentioned a list of things that you and I will have to make adjustments to. There may be other lists that I've not listed down, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Friends, it's time for us wherever you are standing, to make that personal decision. Say, God, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to die. And I'm willing to follow after you today. That now I know that the reason why I'm here today is because I want to be your disciple. I don't want to play religion anymore, but I want to be a disciple, a true disciple, someone who is faithful and committed to you. You see, if you and I don't make that decision, we will only be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And we are going to deceive ourselves and believing that things will change. Things will not change because there's no commitment on your level to make a change, a decision to make that change in your life. That's why just now I said that at the end of the message, we will have to make that decision and this is the time for us to make that decision without forcing anybody with all eyes closed if you are ready to make that commitment to Jesus I want you to put your hands to your heart and say to God I'm ready I want to make that stand for you all you need to do is just to put that hand on your heart Father we thank you for the hands that's been placed over the hearts of your people. But God, we pray that you will give all of us the strength, oh God, to make that, com- not only to make that commitment, but to fulfill the commitment, oh God. Lord, we know that it is never going to be easy, oh Lord. It's going to cost us, oh God. But Father, we know that the decision that we are going to make, we are, we are making right now in your presence, oh God. With you as our witness, oh Lord, because you see everything, oh God. Lord, we pray that God, you will fill us with supernatural strength, oh God, to stay the course, oh God, to make that commitment, oh God, so that, Lord God, our lives will be pleasing to you, so that our lives will be a blessing, oh God, to those that you have surrounded us with, oh Lord. Help us, oh God, to make a difference, oh God. Help us, oh God, to relook at our priorities, O oh God, and to make the necessary changes in our own personal lives, Lord. 
Father, we pray that God, for those who may be struggling, oh God, to make this decision today, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit continue to speak to them. The Holy Spirit continue, oh God, to encourage them, oh God. And the Lord, we pray that God, they will come to that decision, oh God, in your own time, oh Lord. And so, Father, we thank you, oh God, for your challenge to all of us, including me, oh Lord, through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.